Welcome to ShareHouse, where you'll discover tips, trends, and takeaways from top product and e-commerce experts. We'll talk about it all, from product design to product sales, e-commerce to retail, and operations to marketing. Join your hosts, Emerson Hammer and Russell Steed. Welcome back to the ShareHouse podcast, the one place where you know you can come to learn about all things e-commerce, whether you're just starting out, whether you've got a multi-million dollar brand. This is the place where you're going to learn how to take your career or your brand to the next level. Today, we are chatting with Wyatt Moss. He is an ex-Google employee, so you know whatever he's got to say, it's going to be good. So without further ado, Wyatt, why don't you give us a quick intro to yourself? Yeah, for sure, Emerson, and uh, thanks guys for having me on today. Um... Yeah, so I've been working in Google Ads for the past nine years. Uh, for the past six years, um, I founded and uh, operate Moss Digital Strategies, which is an agency that works with companies to maximize their uh, performance marketing online. The channels that I really specialize in are Google Ads uh, and then Facebook Ads. Um, with Moss Digital Strategies, I work with pretty wide range of clients across both e-commerce and lead gen. Uh, most of the budgets that I'm managing go anywhere from 5,000 a month to $200,000 a month. So really wide range. Um, it's fun to work with, you know, all sizes of business, all stages of businesses, all types of goals, et cetera. Before I started Moss Digital Strategies, I was at Google for a little over three years as an account manager. Um, when I was there, I had a pretty wide variety of roles, um, all of which were around uh, working with Google customers to maximize their Google ad accounts and get the most out of them. Um, you know, Google has those roles so that the customers have success and then want to keep spending money with Google. So, you know, there's some benefit for everyone. So, so you've got a bunch of insider knowledge, right? Is that what you're telling us? That you're going to give us all the, the nitty gritty details of, of Google and how it works? Yeah, because you know they gave they told me every every single thing about the algorithm as a uh, as and, an entry level marketing employee, <laughs> and it hasn't changed in six years, right? So yeah, it's, yeah. I feel like that was the case. You'd be like, I don't know, I'm, I'm watching Blacklist right now on Netflix. I feel like you'd be one of the hit targets on Blacklist if you had the the algorithm to Google. You'd definitely be a most wanted target for sure. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, no, he's, he, he's got it on a thumb drive. He just yeah. carries it around. You know. Just, <laughs> yeah, if I had that algorithm, I would not have to optimize Google ads for clients. Anymore, <laughs> so. Um, um, so when you were at Google, how did that transition kind of happen? You're in Google and then you said, Hey, I'm just going to run my own ads. Or did you find like a niche that you, you decided to tailor to or how did that transition come about? Yeah. So basically when I started at Google, uh, the first team that I was on was I had every quarter, I would have a book of 300 existing Google customers. And I would have to just like, kind of like, call through like call through the list um and work with the ones that were willing to talk to me um and these were like super small businesses um a lot of taxi companies locksmiths like, like really really small mm. uh, maybe a few thousand dollars a month that they're spending on google if that um and what i saw pretty quickly in that experience is just how many businesses um don't really know what they're doing with google ads are getting really inefficient results, wasting a lot of their own money, um, and are also just really desperate for someone to help with them. Um, in that role, I would maybe talk to each customer for 30 minutes once a quarter, and that was it. Um, and a fair number of them would be like, can you do this for me? Can you do this, you know, just like run this for me? And that wasn't the nature of the role, but it was always in the back of my mind that, you know, there was a huge market opportunity um, to 
work directly with Google ads customers. Um, so I kind of had that in the back of my mind uh, from very, very early on at Google. Um, as I progressed through my time there, I worked with agencies. And then by the end, I worked with uh, large financial service companies. So like, like Wells Fargo or Visa were two of the accounts that I worked on. And I sort of just hit a point where, you know, I was a little tired of the huge company thing, ready for something else and wanted to have a lot more flexibility. And I, I knew that there was this huge opportunity and I kind of, kind of went for it. Um, I, when I left, I sort of thought maybe I would do this for, you know, a year, kind of recharge my battery and then go get, you know, another sort of, sort of normal nine to five job. You know, it, uh, it, it turned out to be a lot more successful than I had initially <laughs> expected. Um, mm -hmm. So here I am now six years later, still, still doing this. Your agency essentially just focuses mainly like 100% on Google specifically, um, or do you do other things as well? Or is that just your niche? Yeah. So I, we focus on performance, uh, performance marketing. So mm -hmm. for, for some clients, that's all Google for some clients, that's all Facebook for most of the clients, it's a mix of the two. Um, I do work on LinkedIn, TikTok, Snapchat, um, but by and large, um, especially for e-commerce, I found that the most success comes through Google. If you have enough search volume to really make it a high volume channel, uh, and then Facebook, if you're looking for more of a channel or Facebook, Instagram, everything under that umbrella, if you're looking to create demand for your product and kind of get, get the word out there a bit more. Okay. I, I like what you just said. Um, but can we dive into that just a little bit more? Cause uh, you know, I think today we want to focus a little bit more on Google ads. Um, mm -hmm. but I want to know how does it differentiate from Facebook, uh, Instagram, you know, like you said, that umbrella, um, and, and Google, like, I mean, yeah, from your point of view, when, what's the difference? When would you use one over the other? And, uh, yeah. So I think just like one thing to start off is that I think for the sake of this, um, you know, this podcast, this, this audience, when I say Google ads, I'm going to talk about Google search and Google shopping. Uh, Google also does offer display ads, YouTube, which would be more of the, uh, create brand awareness around your product, get the word out there kind of thing. Um, but as far as direct response, performance advertising, we'll just talk search and shopping for now. Um, so the big, th I think the big difference with Google is that because it's search query based, you're capturing demand. Um, whereas on Facebook or any social platform, um, you're more trying to generate demand. And what I mean by that is that on Google, if someone, someone's search query is going to indicate a really, really high level of intent that they're looking to purchase something, book something, um, perform some sort of conversion on your site in a way that on Facebook, if you're targeting an ad to someone based on their interests or their demographics or something like that, um, you know, that it's great, but it does not indicate the same, the same level of intent. Um, you can imagine that if, if you're a company that sells purple socks, um, if someone searches purple socks on Google and then clicks on your ad, they're probably much, much closer to a purchase than if they see your ad on Facebook and they're getting your ad because they live in, San Francisco when they're interested in Starbucks and yoga or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. um, 
you know, whatever, whatever targeting parameters you would come up with. So yeah, I've, I've heard it kind of illustrated as like, it's a push versus a pull. So like in, in Facebook, it's a lot of just like trying to push people into your store and try to create that demand. Whereas in, in Google, you're kind of like just pulling those already interested just kind of wiping that, you know, throwing that net out there and pulling them in. Yeah. I was wondering what that hand gesture was going to be, like some lasso yeah, is it, in. Is it, is it a lasso? Is it a, you know, I'm fishing? Yeah, Not, any of those. Go, go ahead and fishing yeah. with Russell is uh, he's lassoing fish out there apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Hey. I fly, that could be fly fishing, right? I could see yeah, that. yeah, I, I can see that. All right. Heck yeah. Good, good defense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like a way that, the, and you know the flip side of it too, though, is that I mean, as much as what I said about Google and it capturing the intent and being more of a pull is awesome, but for a lot of companies, there's I mean, for any search term, there's a finite number of people searching it in a given day, mm -hmm. so there is a ceiling that's built in to Google. If you sell a product that is super seasonal, or you sell something that just not a lot of people search for, um, you know, there's there's a ceiling on it. The way that I usually talk to clients about is that Google has a much higher floor than Facebook, but a lower ceiling. That's how I'd put it. So I guess question. So again, I am the guy that does nothing about marketing. Mm -hmm. um, but a couple episodes ago, we had a guy who does SEO marketing um, on the show with us. And so maybe on some of that, he talked about like, Hey, if you have good SEO, you get higher rankings on Google. Mm -hmm. So where does like Google ads and SEO, do they like, do they work together? Like, are you working with SEO kind of stuff? Does that help in the ad at all performing or how do those all, how do those two maybe connect or contribute or do they completely not connect and contribute at all? So they, uh, SEO and paid search ads are siloed off. Um, so they, they live in separate worlds. Um, which is nice about Google. So SEO, as, as I'm sure, uh, your previous guest said, you know, it, it's kind of a long-term investment. It takes a while mm -hmm. to build up your rankings and get up to the top of the page. Um, Google ads, you could, I mean, you could theoretically start a product today and tomorrow be at the top of the ad rankings for it. Hmm. Um, so Google ads is in a, a super simplified version of it would be that you Google ads, you bid um, how much you're willing to pay for a click. And then Google takes all of the advertisers that are bidding on those keywords. So like in the purple socks example of five advertisers want to show when people search for purple socks, they all place a bid. Um, and in a super dumbed down version, the person with the, you know, the, the company with the highest bid will show at the top second and second place, all that. Um, there's a lot more that goes into it. I probably wouldn't have a job if it was that simple, but um, <laughs> You know, there's a lot of work around ad copy optimization, landing page optimization, um, things to make your ad rank higher. So it doesn't necessarily just come down to a bid, like a bidding war. Um, but that's th those are the basics of it, of how they decide uh, where the ads show. And, um, and typically, and I'm sure as you guys have seen, the ads typically show above the organic search results. So mm -hmm. it's, um, it can be it can be kind of a shortcut to the to the top of the rankings, but you have to pay for that traffic. Whereas SEO um, is obviously an amazing long term investment because hopefully at a certain point you're just getting tons and tons of free clicks. I'm just envisioning the background like it's just like an auction house and you're just bidding for keywords, just <laughs> trying to bid. Yeah, I'm seeing like an eBay bid, just like I'll pay a dollar for this click. I'll pay two dollars. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, back in the uh, no. back in the olden days when I started Google. <laughs> 
it's kind of how it felt sometimes. Um, <laughs> now there's tons and tons of like automation that you can that they can mm -hmm. be built in. Uh, both both Google has automated automated bidding strategies that I usually rely on so that it's not like a uh, like an eBay auction house. Uh, there's tons of third party <laughs> platforms that will automate your bids for you. So it's mm. it's, um, it's it's turned into quite an industry in and of itself. Mm -hmm. oh, it's much more built out now. I mean, 10 years ago, the uh, marketing landscape was very different. It's crazy what's happened in just 10 years and specifically yeah. with Google, Facebook, all of that. Absolutely. Um, so I kind of wanted to go back a little bit where you mentioned that you've got, you know, some clients that do Facebook, some that do Google. So what is the scenario where, um, and then you, I guess you also mentioned that it's got a, what did you say? A, a lower or a higher floor, but a lower ceiling. So I'm, a, I'm taking that as not, Google is not right for every brand. And we're talking specifically about e-commerce product-based business. So is there, what are the situations when it does make sense? And what are the situations where it does not make sense to, to uh, advertise on Google? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that um, Google is amazing if you have a product or a service um, that is easily, like easily, um, easily searchable. So if you know if you sell something that so it's easily searchable and a lot of people need. So mm -hmm. for example, if you sell shoes. Um, like that's great. Everyone needs to wear shoes. People generally probably search for the same types of uh, types of keywords in order to find their shoes. So that that's awesome. I think that the companies that I see run into trouble are the ones that do what I would call discovery products, and that's where you know maybe it's something where it's a new product or it's a super niche product. Um, but it's not something that people are going to go and seek out. So like the example that I'll give is that I worked with a company once where they were going to make, they were trying to produce like a, a daily newsletter that summarized the news and it would go out every morning via email. And I think they want to charge people like $5 a month to receive the daily newsletter. So what they started off with doing on Google was they bid on keywords like, you know, email newsletter, news summary email etc like the sorts of things that make absolute sense like as i mentioned they're queries that indicate a high level of intent mm -hmm. um and you know they ran these keywords very very few people searched for them but the people that did search for them signed up for the newsletter but they're only making five dollars per person per month so it's not like they're generating enough revenue to make a living mm -hmm. so what they did though is then instead of going to facebook or trying to do more of as you said, Russell, one of the push strategies, then they started trying to bid on people searching for like New York Times and Washington Post and like some competitor keywords, there. competitor keywords, or just like super broad, like new, like the, the term newsletter, something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and these are things that are super, super expensive to bid on. There's tons and tons of people doing it but you've kind of lost the point of search advertising where they're not indicating any sort of intent. I mean, 99% of people that type in New York times into Google are trying to go to the New York times website and like <laughs> read the news. They're not going to, yeah. they're not looking for an alternative. They're not looking for like a $5 a month news synthesis. Um, you know, like that's the product that I would call a discover. That's something that I would call a discovery product. Um, 
And I think the companies could get into trouble with trying to um, kind of shoehorn their product into Google um, mm-hmm. and trying to get high volume when it does, when it would make more sense to spend that money on something that's a little more um, demand generation instead of demand capture. So you could gotcha. essentially bid, like say I have an electric bike company and I could bid on the word like soap or something like that for some reason. And I could mm-hmm. do something completely like uncorrelated and I could rank or I could or take the ad, yeah, the, the bad that pick the the ad that picks up on there. So if I'm a bike company and bid on the word soap, I could be the first thing that pops up in Google, even though it has like nothing to do with soap. So I mean like you could, it would be hard um, because like, as I said, part of how they rank the ads is uh, what's called quality score. And that is okay. um, kind of a measure of how relevant your ad is um, based on, you know, how well your landing page matches the keyword, how well your ad matches the keyword, et cetera. Um, that said, if you were willing to bid some astronomical, like a hundred dollars per click, if someone searched soap for whatever reason, um, <laughs> that high bid would probably overcome your lack of like relevance and you can show for it. So. Interesting. When I got millions, that's just going to be my hobby just to mess up. Just, yeah. <laughs> giving, just giving Google bunches of money. I think yeah. it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. But, but Emerson, like an example of that, like if you have an electric bike company and you decided that, you know, let's say you ran keywords on electric bikes and you maxed, you know, you maxed out, uh, you're showing for every search and whatever countries you sell to, um, you know, you're doing great. And then you say, well, I still need more. And then you started bidding on bikes, for example, um, mm-hmm. you could certainly show there, but there's going to be, you know, a ton more competition and the level of intent indicated by someone looking for bikes. If you sell electric bikes is a lot lower. Those people are probably much less likely to purchase your product and the people looking for electric bikes. So, you know, like a big part of my job is coming up with, a strategy that matches like the client's budget and goals and, and all that. So, so a lot of times does the, the search volumes and the keywords that people are going after, does that sometimes, um, I guess, dictate how much they spend on Google? Because it's, it's very much your, what impressions are available you're fighting for. So, um, you know, I've seen this in, in my experience of like, you know, for some reason we do branded uh, keywords. And so, you know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be we'll be placing ads on our own brand just so that our competitors aren't trying to beat us out there. And uh, sometimes, you know, when we do a big promotion or we do a giveaway, we, we get some, you know, media notoriety or, you know, so PR release goes out, we'll get higher search terms. And then all of a sudden what we budgeted for like $800 on our branded keywords, all of a sudden is like $3,000 that day. So yeah. I guess to kind of boil it down into to a more succinct question, does it, are, are you limited um, or does it kind of determine how much you can spend on Google based off of how much search there is going on? Um, yeah, so it, 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 it really varies. Uh, I mean, as you mentioned, like if you get like some sort of PR or some sort of news, you can see a huge spike in search traffic um, and cost on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, I have clients that are super seasonal. It's like I have clients that sell ski poles and, you know, the winter probably makes up those three months probably make up 90% of their search traffic over the course of a year. Um, mm-hmm. So, Yes, the way that uh, the way that it works with budgets is that you tell Google what your daily budget is. So let's say you want to spend fifty dollars a day. You start off 
if there are a lot more people searching for your keywords and clicking on your ads, uh, that $50 a day is insufficient, it'll spend the $50 and then just stop showing your ads for the rest of the day. But you'll start to get like flags in your account saying that like, Hey, you're, you're what's called limited by budget. Uh, we're shutting your ads off at a certain point. So, um, you know, at that point you can say, okay, this is working well for me. We're converting well as profitable. Let's ramp up the budget. Or you could say, let's reduce the number of keywords we're going to show for. Let's lower our bids. Let's try to kind of get more out of that fifty dollars. Um, you know, it really just depends on what the performance of the account is to that point. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Is I'm wondering, is the pricing structure? Okay, maybe I'm just. Uh, I guess my thought is, is this kind of like a meter where like you had like peak times where you pay more for people clicking on ads, and then lull times come like your energy bill, like there's. I'm actually, I'm actually, I don't know if they do that in Utah of peak, I know in California, like peak surcharges and whatnot. Um, but uh, is it kind of like that where it's like, hey, in the morning, maybe traffic's more and then the daytime, maybe things slow down so there's not as much traffic or something like that? Or is it kind of like, hey, you're always going to pay a buck fifty for this click kind of thing? Or am I completely yeah. off just not understanding it? <laughs> yeah, no, no. So within, within a day, that definitely will happen. So in Google Ads, you can segment your... Um, you can segment performance by hour of the day, day of the week, et cetera. Um, and there are certainly, uh, certainly accounts and certainly industries that I see that they're like, you know, fairly large differences throughout the day. Um, through an agency partnership, I work with a lot of um, HVAC clients and, you know, like it's pretty, pretty common that like the 8 a.m., 9 a.m. hour when people are kind of like waking up that I guess seems to be when they decide they need to call an HVAC company. Um, <laughs> and, you know, those companies are, the people that manage those are smart. They know that's the case. They, they seem to bid higher, so it is more expensive. And then it tends to, um, you know, decrease midday. And then later in the afternoon, maybe people are getting home from work. It, the, mm -hmm. the cost per it goes back up. Um, that's going to be super, like, industry specific um yeah. so that's an example but i'm sure that if you studied any industry you'd see similar trends um throughout the day days of the week you'll definitely see um variants and then you know of course with a lot of products there's just see, like seasonal differences where there's yeah. just a lot more companies that want to want to want to advertise and compete in certain months of the year certain times of the year okay you kind of talked before about like discovery pro, uh, products and then more established kind of search terms and things like that. Um, when a company is looking at Google ads, is there like, maybe it's more industry specific, but is there a target like ROAS you're trying to hit? Is, is it going to be different than with your overall marketing strategy? Are these more like, maybe it depends on your messaging on your ad, but you, I guess, is that like, Hey, you just help with your conversion rate or are you like, I guess, unless you know more about this stuff than I do, I guess like your ROAS, is it going to be a different strategy on Google than you would have a different ROAS requirement for like Facebook or Instagram, where most people are saying like, hey, we need the ROAS of X amount across the board. And that's that's good. Or is there a specific metric you're now looking like in, in that area for, for Google ads? Um, so it's kind of an unsatisfying answer, but there's probably not. It really just depends on the business and what their strategy is. Um, I have some clients where they get a huge amount of volume um, and Google ads makes up a meaningful amount of their revenue um, and any kind of any volume and any, any purchase they can get that's profitability that's profitable from the ads factoring in all their other expenses. They're thrilled with, I have other clients that want to sort of do a super 
bottom of the funnel strategy um, only bid on what's going to be the most profitable keywords. And they want to have like a six to eight ROAS. Um, I have clients that are really relying on repeat customers and getting a high lifetime value. So they're willing to take a loss on the first purchase. Um, it really, really varies. Um, as far as comparing it to other channels, um, something that I like to talk about with clients, just kind of like ranking the traffic of your, um, or ranking the quality of your ad, of your, of your different traffic channels. Um, and, you know, generally speaking, I think that SEO and organic are probably going to be your highest, like most, th those are your, the highest quality people come to your website as far as intent to purchase. Uh, Google ads is probably non-brand Google ads is probably a little bit below that. And that's probably a little bit above Facebook, Instagram, more of the demand generation um, channels. So, and, you know, I would, I, I typically would hope to have a higher ROAS out of Google ads than um, display advertising, social ads, um, anything below that, but I would expect it to be lower than SEO and organic. So that's kind of where I put in the hierarchy, but. As far as a specific target, it really depends. Uh, so you're saying kind of, it sounds like most people are going on Google and they're searching something. They have, they're probably a higher intent to purchase than someone just scrolling through their feed and get introduced to your brand. So you probably has a higher conversion rate, I'm assuming. Yes. If someone's searching a key term. Cool. Yeah, gen yeah generally speaking, you'll get a higher conversion rate um, and typically a higher cost per click than on Facebook. I know there's, you know, companies that have terrible Facebook ads and I'm sure their cost per clicks are worse than on Google. But like if you're, if you're running a professional operation with good creatives and everything, usually Facebook ads will be cheaper per click, but they convert lower than Google. Got it. Yeah. I mean, in my experience, it's been, we, well, we, we look at different KPIs, right? So we're not just looking at ROAS, we're looking at, you know, um, you know, we, we have run into like a blended ROAS, you know, and it kind of depends on the product and the service. Is it a subscription and, or is it, you know, you, you mentioned lead gen, most of our audience is going to be on the e-com side with a product based business, but, but uh, I, back in another life, I actually ran um, an ad account for a medical spa and, you know, it was all about, you know, getting emails. And so that was our conversion. And so we were a lot more willing and, you know, we, we knew the LTV of the customer. So it really kind of changed how we looked at those numbers. But, and I have a feeling this, this question might have a similar answer to the last, but um, are there other KPIs other than ROAS? Do, what other KPIs do you look at that uh, might indicate if a, an ad is performing well, or if you should shut it off? Yeah. Um, so I think the big ones that I look at are um, quality score, which, as I mentioned, is kind of Google's assessment of how relevant your ad and your website are to that search query. Um, so quality score is, uh, you know, if it's, if it's a low quality score, you're probably going to have to bid more in order to uh, show near the top of the ranking. So it's going to cost you money. Um, and, you know, if you have a low quality score, it can kind of point me in the direction of, oh, we need to uh, work with the client to improve their landing page content, or we need to test out some new ad copy, um, et cetera. So that's a big one. Um, and then as far as the more the more the, the metrics, um, click through rate's a big one. It's a really good indicator of, uh, how how um, how users are viewing 
your ad text. It's a good indication of like where your ad is ranking in the in the um, in the search results. Uh, cost per click, conversion rate. Um, those are those are really the big ones. The last one, the last one that I would say that I look at a lot is search impression share. And that's the percentage of the times that people are searching for your uh, your keyword that your ad is actually showing. Uh, and that's super helpful for kind of gauging what the opportunity is for any given campaign or keyword. Oh, if you can scale up and and capture more of those. Yeah. So like if you let's like if you're running a campaign, you're getting you know a real like a five x ROAS, and the search impression share on that campaign is only sixty percent. Then you know you could. You in theory, up. you in theory should be able to scale up at pretty close to five x ROAS in that case. Okay, no, I like that. Um, <clears throat> okay, just kind of shifting gears really quick, and, and maybe just we can spend a few minutes on this. But I know, um, I know just a, a little bit about Google Ads enough to get myself in trouble. And like I said, <laughs> it, it was it was probably five years ago that I was running ad accounts for other other people, and then I haven't kept up with it since. Mm -hmm. um, Russ, quick question on that. If you're so, if you know enough to get in trouble, why are you getting in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I know enough to log in and start spending money, which actually <laughs> might, might be a similar situation to a lot of your clients that are like, "Hey, you know what? I'm not going to hire an agency. I'm just going to go try this out. Go ahead and you know start bidding and you know throwing out uh, you know doing a little bit of keyword research. It sounds fun. And, yeah, no, yeah, honestly, it can be very, uh, very insightful. But granted, you're probably going to be throwing away some money. So um, I'm curious, working with an agency, like when does it make sense? And uh, I, I'm curious about kind of that agency piece because where I'm at now, like there's just so much going on that I'm like, I'd rather hire somebody to do this for me, even though I hate agencies. And I will say like when I, and when I worked in that <laughs> world, the agency that I took over the account from and then when I finished, when I, that I handed it over to, it just, they were not very good. And I wouldn't say I was an expert, but I would say they were mediocre at best. And so how do you, uh, I got so many questions, but you know, one would be, how do you find a good agency first off? And second, how do you work effectively with that agency? Yeah. Um, so I think as far as finding a good agency goes, um, you know, I, I think just speaking for myself, um, cause you know, like I've, I've taken accounts over from other agencies um, at Google. I work with agencies. Um, I think that if we're talking about Google ads in general, um, I would, you know, really vet the person that's going to be managing the Google ads account. So don't vet the person that you're, you know, is your account manager or like the relationship person there. Like really vet the person that's going to be like day-to-day -day managing your account how knowledgeable do they seem with the ad platforms? How willing do they seem to be to like really, really learn your business? Um, so what kind of questions could you ask? Like, you know, vetting them for me, I'd be like, okay, so like what ROAS should I go for? You know, what, what questions would you recommend you maybe two your top two questions that will be able to identify? Yes, they know what they're talking about or no, this guy just was hired last week and is learning Google ads. Um, I think that a really good question is the one that you asked me about, like which um, which ad platforms make sense for who, um, mm -hmm. for what types of businesses, um, and if they give you, you know, something along the lines of like, you should just spend it all on Google, you know, like or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, it probably indicates that they're not thinking super critically about 
uh, you know, your, your business, or even if they are just the Google ad person, it probably indicates they're not, you know, they're probably just very much like living in that world and not, uh, you know, not, not thinking super critically about your industry or your product. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I would also just really pay attention to the questions that they ask you. Um, you know, like if they're trying to, you know, really grasp what's the lifetime value of a customer, um, what are your conversion rates from other channels right now? Um, like what, what's your repeat purchase rate? Like, like if they're really trying to like dig deep, um, to get all the information they can to come up with a strategy that fits your business, um, they're probably they're, they're probably good. Um, if they're just, you know, asking you kind of surface level, yeah, who's the target audience? Um, you know, that, that it's probably, it might not be an agency that's gonna, um, you know, really focus on your business. Um, I think that, you know, I, I think that like an advantage that I have is that I, even though I've been running it for six years, I still do all the client strategy and almost all of the day-to-day um, mm-hmm. ads optimization. Um, which I, I think is, you know, something that stands out relative to a lot of other agencies, a lot of other agencies, the person that's actually managing your account might, is probably, you know, someone that's a pretty junior employee, um, probably will be on your account for six months and then get rotated off and you'll get a new person. So I think that's, um, you know, a big advantage that, that I'm able to offer, but I think anyone looking for an agency just, you know, really pay attention to, um, you know, the types of questions they ask you and um, would it be would it be fair to ask them like hey give me a keyword like analysis like what what keywords would you say i should go after was that kind of fair within yeah. the kind of the dating period of an agency yeah yeah, def- yeah definitely i think that's 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 absolutely going to be insightful um and again when you get that back what i would you know just keep an eye on is are they suggesting keywords that uh, going back to what we were talking about before, that indicate a super high level of intent in mm-hmm. that someone's going to purchase my product, or are they, you know, trying to throw a ton of the wall and see what sticks? Um, see, see what's working. Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. I want to hear like a good story, I guess, of like, have you had like a good experience of like uh, this one keyword, like, just drastically outperformed the other one, or like expectation? Maybe we're just like, like a fun campaign you worked on that maybe just like exceed expectations. Yeah, it's actually like a recent, a recent one is I have a client that um, it's like a vacation rental booking agency. So not quite e-commerce, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, still a, you're making a purchase and making a purchase for, you know, typically a large amount of money on a website. And we actually just started targeting keywords with them around Airbnb and VRBO, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, for the longest time we had really stayed away from um, because typically what we would call competitor searches do not uh, don't convert super well, don't indicate a super high level of intent. Um, and I argued to the client that I thought that at this point, Airbnb and Verbo were uh, terms that are almost synonymous with vacation rentals, like the way that like Kleenex is for tissue paper or, you know. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, where it like defines the industry. Um, and we, so like a month ago, finally got clearance to go ahead with it. And it is like tripled the volume that we're getting. Um, you know, we're trying for so many more searches, getting so many more clicks. They're converting at almost the exact same rate as 
things like vacation rentals, chalets, like any of the other, any of the other like property types that we've done. So it's been like really cool to just like see a client scale up so quickly, you know, have something that you have a little bit of a hunch about, but need to test out and see it work out in such a like clear, decisive way. Not every, not every, not every test goes that smoothly or has such a decisive, uh, decisive outcome so quickly, but it, it's really cool when that does happen. Yeah, that actually reminds me of another story time that uh, a buddy just told me. He um, he did all the advertising for, so out here in Utah, I don't know if they're out there in, in California where you're at, but in Utah, we've got Cafe Rio and we've got uh, Costa Vida. So apparently they were like one company and then somebody branched off and started a competitor company that make like, you know, burritos and, and tacos and that kind of thing. Super delicious. One of my favorite restaurants, but um, they're very, very similar in the type of product <laughs> that they have. And my buddy worked on the ad account for Costa Vida, which was the second of the two. If Maybe I'm wrong. Somebody fact check me. But um, they started running ads on and when somebody searched Cafe Rio, so a competitive <laughs> keyword or a competitor keyword, somebody searches Cafe Rio and they would bid really high and, uh, and their ad copy said, did you mean Costa Vida? And then uh, trying to get people over to Costa Vida and that performed really, really well. So they did it kind of like in a snarky kind of fun way yeah. that, uh, that performed really well for them. So it is, but their, their products were so similar that it made sense. So there's a lot of intent behind that specific keyword. So in that scenario, definitely made sense. Yeah, definitely. That, that's cool. Um, cool. So I also, so before we kind of wrap it up, I'm curious, you've worked with a lot of clients, you've worked at Google, you, you know, kind of the, from a high level, what it looks like at Google working with an agency and then with smaller businesses and, and different industries. How can a company, like maybe the, the top tips that you have for working with an ad agency? Because I, I know my habit with agencies is I hire them and then I try to forget them, but that mm -hmm. usually will not turn out in the best scenario for me. So I'm kind of curious, what are your, your, the things that you recommend working as a, as a brand working with an agency, how do you make that more effective? I think that the best relationships that I have with brands are the ones that, um, like are just very, very clear with expectations, like their performance expectations, check in regularly, um, want to like understand what their performance is and want to know what they can do to help improve their performance, but by and large are not trying to get super involved in, uh, you know, like the nitty gritty, um, mm -hmm. like day to day stuff. <laughs> They're not going in and changing ads on you. <laughs> yeah, no, like literally like, no, I've, I've definitely had people like, go in and like, <laughs> you know, change a keyword match type or something. Um, mm -hmm. and, and like, you know, that that's not helpful, but I mean, I think that if you're a brand and you set very clear expectations, um, that helps immensely. Um, you know, like I, I definitely have, you know, had a lot of clients where they will have all these like great planning calls and we'll put an ads plan together and we'll have a budget set. And then after like one week of getting a higher ROAS than they were expecting. It's like, well, can we double it? Can we triple it? You know, and it's, it's, uh, probably not. So yeah, I, I think just like be clear on expectations, uh, don't micromanage, but check in, uh, check in on an agency, you know, enough to, to make How sure often that is they're that? Getting done with How my clients. I like to do biweekly calls. Gotcha. I think that's usually a good amount of time where like enough has happened in the last two weeks 
that, uh, you know, you can start to sense some trends. You can start to, you know, if, if something is changed or something needs to be addressed, um, you can get to it, but you're not just like chatting every week and sort of mm -hmm. saying the same thing over and over. All right. Well, to wrap up, we ask the same three questions to all of our guests. Um, so okay. first off, if you had a pro had to start a product-based business today, what would it be and why? So I think that if I were to be starting something now, it would be the things that I would that I look for is where a single purchase contributes a high amount of revenue. Um, so something you know extensive. Um, I find that usually gives you a lot more room. Something work, bougie, as as like, something you know very yeah, fancy. Like, yeah. Exactly. Like a with like how high your margins are, um, but also, you know, it gives you a lot of room to experiment with Google ads, Facebook ads, et cetera. And then something that, you know, everyone needs, uh, because, you know, if it's something that everyone needs, there'll likely be a lot of search volume for it, which as we discussed is good for Google ads and those convert. Well, um, I think what I settled on would be something like electronics, um, like sound equipment, uh, TVs, et cetera. Um, I think that, those would those would kind of like fit the bill of you know everyone needs speakers. Um, I think that I don't think a lot of people you know are super knowledgeable about the different variations of speakers um, and you know how it works. I think it'd be fairly easy uh, to brand. Um, there'd be lots of search volume for it, um, and I, I you know I think something like that would be. Is, you know, as far as like my areas of expertise, where it's like I'm really good at Google Ads, I'm really good at Facebook Ads, I'm not great at brand marketing. Um, I think it'd be a pretty good fit. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny how whenever we talk to like a service provider, they never give us like a product. It's always like a criteria. I think it's always fun. That's like always the yeah. the response. And then when you talk to like product based business, it's like, oh, I have this idea of a product, but service based business owners have a criteria range. I think it's just pretty funny to to see the differences in that. Well, it's good to have the yeah. different perspective because I, yeah. so I helped another story time here. I, I helped a uh, <laughs> buddy start up a, a knife shop up in uh, Heber, Utah. Super awesome. He's like, okay, I'm going to do the physical store. And I told him like, I hate retail. I'm not doing retail. I'll do anything online that you want, but I'm not, I'm not doing the store. So he said, okay, you do online. I'll do, I'll do the in-store stuff. And so we started doing that. And then I didn't realize that like, I wasn't going to be able to run ads on keywords or, or certain things, you know, mm. whether it be Facebook or Google because they were weapons, right? Weapons, so we were yeah. selling like kitchen, really nice kitchen knives, you know, the, the Kershaw knives, just really nice, you know, really nice knives, very expensive, yeah. got the great price point, but that I didn't do that research up front, and it kind of bit us in the butt because it was like, we weren't able to scale as fast and as well as we thought we could on the online portion. Luckily the store did awesome. Um, but I guess I underperformed on the online side just because he, the ads were, I, I didn't know, I didn't have that perspective. And so that's one thing to keep in mind. And, and I like seeing how you go at it. It's like, Hey, if I, if I was going to start a, a product based business, this is, you know, it's got to fit this criteria on the, on the ad side. And then we talk to people on the SEO side, that's got to hit this criteria and other, you know, so I think it's, you kind of have to think holistically before you jump into a product, because a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people in our audience might've done that exactly where they were just like, got this idea, I'm going for it. And then yeah. um, it, it turns out there are 30,000 competitors out there and it's going to be really hard and they just didn't do their, their competitor research or they, they don't know that they can't run ads on it or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, that said, if I were if I were to start a product based uh, business, I would I would certainly want to partner with someone that uh, you know had somewhat of a background in mm -hmm. like brand marketing or. Mm -hmm. um, so is that is that a call out there saying like, <laughs> hey, you're looking for a partner? You've got this great idea. 
I mean, not a poster if you want to start a speaker <laughs> store. <or> if you <laughs> have any, <laughs> nice. I love it. If anyone listening has a, a much, much better and more creative idea than that, yeah. then I'm all ears. I don't yeah, know. I love it. Great. Um, what's the best piece of advice you can give someone who is starting their own business? Um, I think the biggest thing, like looking back on um, the success that I've had with my business, obviously is a little bit different because it's a difference. It's a service based business as opposed to a product. Um, but like at the beginning, really, really go above and beyond with, um, with customer service. So like in my case, the first few clients that I got, I was like so, so thrilled and so grateful to have them and, you know, be making like some small amount of money to manage their accounts. Um, so I really like did everything that I could to make them as happy as possible. So, you know, like super communicative, putting together reports that they, you know, hadn't asked for, but were insightful, like really um, being proactive in suggesting new tests we could run, new strategies we could try out. Um, Go, really going into the, the rationale. Um, and then also just being like super on top of like the ads accounts, making sure the metrics were were good. And I got really good results, you know, for those clients and they were happy. So, I mean, applying that to if you're selling a product or doing something with e-com, um, like I would just say, treat the first few people that buy your product like gold. Um, you know, they've made a fairly big leap from buying from a company that, you know, maybe doesn't have a million reviews or a ton of credibility for lack of a better term. So, you know, like things like reaching out to those people for feedback, provide them discount codes for future purchases, uh, you know, put a thank you note in the box that you send them. Like they're all things that I think like real, if you really give those first few customers a good feeling about working with you, um, you know, there's nothing more powerful than a word of mouth, them telling their friends that oh, you should buy from, you know, this, this site. Um, like it's, it, it's super powerful and it, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it helps spread the word about your business. And then on the other hand, I mean, like, I don't think it's, it can be hard to bounce back from some like negative reviews early on. Um, mm -hmm. so I would just, you know, really, really go above and beyond, uh, when you're starting off with customer service and, uh, making sure that people feel good about your business and working with you. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, just to plug a book that I recently read, Super Fans by, by, by Pat Flynn, kind of talks through that. And I mean, not even just with the, the first um, customers, but like, you know, identifying those like super, they're those almost super fans and how to turn them into super, super fans. And then, you know, from one super fan, you can get 20 more customers, 30, 40, 50 more customers. And so that's kind of, it it's can be used as, used as a scaling piece for your business, mm -hmm. kind of how it worked for you. Um, but it, it definitely applies within the product-based business world. Um, so last thing, what can our audience do for you? Aside from you looking for a partner for your speaker business, what, what <laughs> yeah. can our uh, audience do for you? What are you, what are you looking for? Uh, for sure. Yeah. So I'm always on the lookout for new clients. Um, anyone that, you know, is potentially interested in uh, getting a consultation and potentially working together on their Google ads account. Um, they can go to my website. It's mossdigitalstrategies.com. Um, and there's a form in the upper right under the free consultation link. Uh, you can also email me at wyatt at mossdigitalstrategies.com. Um, and, you know, happy to chat about anything Google ads or really performance marketing in general. Um, as I mentioned, I also do uh, paid social ads. So, um, yeah. 
any new, potentially new business and you know if you have a business if any any potential business partners out there for a uh, a product based store I'm all ears there too well I'm gonna call it why wireless that's good nailed it Google it yeah let's um, make sure that doesn't exist because it sounds yeah, too like, good okay, just take yeah, it no, seriously yeah um but I guess on that for for our audience what is kind of do you have a criteria of a client you're looking for just to like are you you have a side demographic or something like that um, just to give you some qualified leads, what's kind of a target customer for you? Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, I have and will work with, um, you know, virtually any business to figure out what, uh, what works, what works on Google and Facebook for them. Um, generally speaking, the clients that I work with are spending at least $5,000 a month on their marketing budget. Um, but beyond that, um, Lead gen, ecom, local retail. Um, I've kind of worked with them all. I think I have some good strategies that work for each of those types of businesses. So, um, cool. you know, I'm, I'm all ears for anyone that's interested in reaching out and uh, possibly talking about their advertising. Awesome. Sweet. Sounds good. Well, Wyatt, thanks so much for for jumping on. We appreciate it. Um, it was a great thing. We definitely uh, were able to dig deep into to Google ads and everything like that. So thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Everson. Thanks, Russell. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and visit us at sharehouse.com to join the community today.